This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon. Morning, church. Scripture reading this morning is from James chapter 1, verses 2 to 12. It's James chapter 1, verses 2 to 12. Count it all joy, my brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we lift up your name. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is great in might. Who would not fear you, O King of Nations? We pray, Lord, as we prepare for Missions Month, we pray, Lord, for the preparations uh, of the Missions Committee. We pray for the preparations of the Hospitality Committee. We pray for Tim Kesey's health, Lord, that you continue to strengthen his body and prepare him to be here with us. We pray for the, um, the needs that may exist amongst our missionary uh, afar that you'd make those known to us and we could make a difference in those things as a, as a church. We pray for those in our church family that are unable to attend or have ongoing health concerns. Pray that you'd be a source of comfort to them. You'd fill them with the knowledge of your goodness and loving kindness. We pray that you'd be their refuge and strength, a very present help in time of need. And we pray as your word goes forth this morning You give words to Pastor Paul as he preaches. Father, you'd help us by your spirit to understand your word. Father, that you'd stir us up into action. We pray these things in the precious name of our loving Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, we are beginning a short series on the topic of work. Uh, we, We all work. Whether we are a student or employed full-time by a company, taking care of family and home, or maybe retired and helping out with with the grandkids. We all work, so this is a topic for for everybody. Uh, Secondly, work is good. Work is good. We we actually see work implemented before the fall of humanity. Let me me reference a couple verses. Genesis 128. 
And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so there you, there you see some, some directive for work there that God gives. And then Genesis 2.15, the Lord took, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. All right, all pre-fall, okay? God created this world with an emptiness, uh, with, with a void, and, and then worked to form it in the days of creation. His crowning act of his work was the creation of us, humanity, because they alone bore the image and likeness of God. Uh, no wonder he commissioned them to work. It, it follows the pattern of who he is, a working God. After the fall of humanity, right, when, that's when the first people rebelled against God's good rule, work became hard. All right, labor became difficult as, as the curse of sin was now present. But God gives grace. He promised a rescuer from the ultimate effects of the curse. His name is Jesus. We've been singing about him. And, and even though work continues to be hard, we can still find enjoyment in it. And we can still glorify God through it, no matter what we do, as long as that work is not in direct defiance to God's good ways. We're going to focus on today on what we do when we experience difficulty at our work. But, but really, this can be extended to, to any difficulty we experience in life in general. I have three points, surprise, surprise, for you to remember when trouble arises or is already there. Look differently, pray different, differently, and remember differently. Right, that's what we do when trouble arises. Let's start with look differently. It's found in the first uh, few couple verses there, verses 2, 3, and 4, how we how we view things in life is important because it has an effect on, on how we think and how we act. If you are in a service type of profession and you just see people as problems to get past, your work is probably going to be poor because a level of annoyance will always remain. Or maybe your employer is an unreasonable slave driver and you struggle to keep up so, so you look at your boss with disdain and try to avoid him or her. Perhaps you don't like the type of work that you do, so you see work in general as your problem. Therefore, you are miserable in the daily grind. You, you see your only, your only hope or salvation as weekends or vacations. God wants us to have a different look. 
Now let's look at verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. That's a different way to look, isn't it? When we meet difficulty, we naturally get frustrated and annoyed. But God tells us to count it all joy or, or consider it great joy. That's certainly a different way to look at our troubles in our lives. But God is not giving us the power of positive thinking. That, that would just be ignoring the trouble, right? God gives us the reason we can look at trouble joyfully. Verses 3 and 4. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So, Troubles can produce something good in the Christian's life. Even though trouble at work was not originally designed by God, he graciously uses those troubles to be a benefit for us. Troubles test our faith or our trust in God. These, these tests produce an endurance or, or a staying power in our faith. So, if we look at the trouble in the right way and persevere through it, we will mature as believers because our faith gets stronger. But obviously, this is easier said than done, right? Think about that picky client unreasonable employer, or job that you hate doing. It's hard to think about these things as anything but problems that we want gone, right? Problems at work have the ability to, to uncover the image of God that we were originally shaped into, which, which looks like the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the exact imprint of God. Hebrews 1.3 tells us that. How we choose to respond to, to difficulties or troubles at work or in life in general shape us into either the image of Jesus or greater sin. That's a true and powerful thought. If if we know that God uses difficulties for our good, then we can look at them with joy instead of trying to avoid them or growing bitter in them. This change of thinking can make a huge difference as you approach your work. Knowing what difficulties produce can help us to to look at them differently and therefore change us internally. Let's let's look at the the next thing we need to do. We need to pray differently. And this is verses 5 through 8 in our text. 
when, when we encounter difficulties, we, we, usually, we usually complain, right? Complain to others, or, or if we don't do that, we, we might pray, but our prayers are usually requests that the trouble go away. If the trouble we encounter as, at work is of value to us as Christians, we need to learn to pray for the right thing. These next four verses are, are not a different topic, but it's, it's a continuation of the same topic of troubles in our life. In the original language, there, there's a little participle that can, can act like a, that act, acts like a connecting word, such as and or, or but. And Sometimes it's translated, sometimes it's not. I think it should be translated. Let me read verse 5 with, a, with that contrasting, connecting word, which seems to, to fit the context well. Verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. When we encounter trouble... Many times, probably most times, we struggle in how to respond to the trouble. Right? We, we lack wisdom. So if we lack wisdom in how to deal with the troubles that we find at, at, as we work, we are commanded, we're commanded to ask God. Right? This is actually not a suggestion, but a command. Let him ask God. We're to get into that habit of, of praying to God for wisdom when we meet trouble because God says, I'll give it to you. I'll give you the wisdom you need. Look, look how he gives us that wisdom that we need when trouble comes up. He gives it gener generously and without reproach. That means, that means he doesn't hold back what we need. He wholeheartedly gives it to us. And he doesn't get upset because we're in need and asking again for the hundredth time. That's, that's God's heart toward his children. And it never changes. Because he knows that trouble is good for us, he doesn't necessarily take it away, but instead gives us the wisdom in how to, how to see it and get through it knowing he's by our side. So, so let's think of the person who hates their job in general, okay? It's, it's just a slog for them. When that person asks God for wisdom, in how he is supposed to endure it, or how he can get enjoyment out of it, or most importantly, how he can grow his face so he can look more like Jesus, God promises that he'll give that wisdom to him in dump truck-sized loads. Notice how trouble brings us to our neediness. 
which in turn brings us to a reliance on God for wisdom. that's, That's a great thing. If we get to this step of asking God for wisdom in this trouble we are experiencing, we are already in the best place we can possibly be in. We get a caution about this asking God for wisdom in verses 6 to 8. Let me read them. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. This is such an important point, but one that's often misunderstood. This is not a call for perfect trust in God with no doubt at all. This is not about your ability to trust It's about your perception of God. You can trust God. God can and will give you wisdom. These verses speak about the one who refuses to let God interfere with their life. So they pray, they pray in their own wisdom and not for wisdom. Does that make sense? When we pray in our own wisdom, that's that's what it means to be double-minded. Right? You're praying to God, but you're relying on what you think is best or what you already know. Double-minded. No wonder the double-minded person does not receive anything from the Lord. They're, They're not on the same page as him. Prayer is a means by by which we we integrate our life with our Heavenly Father's plan. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's why prayer needs to be accompanied with watching. As we pray, we need to keep our eyes open to watch how God is writing the story. When we don't watch, we're just praying, my kingdom come, my will be done. So say we get a new co-worker, and right away, we see that this is the spawn of Satan, (laughs) a thorn to us in the flesh. If we look at that trouble the way God does as something to grow us to be more like Jesus, and then we recognize that we need to pray and ask God for wisdom, what might that prayer look like? It might sound something like this. Father, I'm utterly disappointed that this person is disrupting my peace. You might as well be honest with God. You're not excited about it, right? You can lament to God. That's biblical. 
I'm disappointed. I'm I'm troubled. This, This is terrible. But I know that you tell me that trouble is good. It's good for me. So, so help me to see how, how this is good for me because I'm not seeing it. What do you want me to see, Lord Jesus? How is this going to make me more like my Savior? Often prayers for wisdom are questions to God. Help me to see, God. Help me to know. But do you see what that prayer is doing? It's it's opening up. It's opening you up to the real possibility that God is going to use that frustration or pain in your daily work to focus your hopes around him. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. The last point that we need is to remember differently. Verses 9 through 12. And again, this section is connected to the previous one, just like the last one was to the one before. So the thought continues. Verses 9 and 10. So let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Now, what what is this talking about? Well, remember, this is being written to gospel believers, Christians. What lifts up the low and humbles the high? The gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we are all on the same level in that we are all born rebels against God. And that's, that's how God sees all of us out of the womb. We, we, look, we look, however, at one another differently. We're, we don't look at one another as all level. We look at one another either high or low. If someone's wealthy, we we elevate them. If someone is poor and needy, we lower them in our mind, or at least we tend to. Believing in the good news of Jesus Christ makes us adopted sons and daughters of God by his grace alone, and not any effort or status of our own. The gospel is the only thing that can exalt a low person and humble a proud person because it's a gift that is undeserved by all and can't be earned. So in the gospel, there's equality. The rich are not favored by God and the poor are not looked down upon by God. So when trouble comes we can be assured that it is not because God has it out for us. The gospel tells us that God is for us, never against us. Then we're told in verse 12, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. 
So that word trial is the same word that was used back in verse 2. So this brings us full circle. At least it brings the thought full circle. When, when, we, when we hold out when trouble comes, trusting God through it and asking for his wisdom, not only are we going to benefit by becoming more like Jesus, we're going to be rewarded by God one day. I, I, I liken this to starting an exercise program that gets you into the best shape of your life. It, make, it makes you feel better and, and permits you to operate in daily life at, at, a, at a new level of satisfaction. Everything is just better now. Then someone comes along and pays you a million dollars and says, great job. Like we, We've already benefited from the program, and then we get paid for it? This, this is how God works toward his children. This is how gracious God is toward us. If, if you're a gospel believer, don't think your, your troubles at work are punishments from God. Right? The gospel reminds us that we are loved by God and we can trust him to use trouble in our life for our good. We just have to get on the same page. Get on the same page as God and ask him for the wisdom we need to get through it. Because he'll give it every time. Because of the gospel, you can trust him again and again and again, no matter what comes at you over and over and over again. Let us pray. Father, this seems like a simple directive, but it, it truly goes against our flesh. Naturally, we want to complain. We want to flee the situation when trouble comes. We, we want to just pray it away. Father, we truly need to see our troubles in the right way. We truly need to pray differently. Father, we need your wisdom. Help us to trust you. Help us to, help us to remember that we can trust you. And that you are for us as your children, never against us. May we rest in that reality through our, through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast.